Aquila. Charlotte, she says two tickets for a hot air balloon ride. Charlotte from Wakefield. You wouldn't need a hot air balloon if you'd won this one, Charlotte. I'm nearly taking off in this. Thank you very much for all of your suggestions this afternoon in the phone. Well, I'm definitely going to take this outfit off now while you watch Aquila and something weird happens to Tom. Salva gratam et novi eventus duo danaeos duo vacaturus. Sorry, translating to English, and welcome to a new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, a podcast where you'll learn many things about cult TV, films, and video games, but where you will not learn the correct usage of Latin. Uh, I'm Morgan, <laughs> and my co-pilot on this show that remains invisible to much of the world is, of course, Tom. <laughs> Hello, I thought, uh, I was going to ask, you, you're right. <laughs> I just started the show like that. Yeah, I was just good. having a bit of a moment, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, so this episode, much like Tom Baxter and Jeff Reynolds, uh, will be digging up something of a forgotten treasure from years gone by and uncovering the secrets of Aquila. So, Tom, what are your memories of Aquila, the CBBC series, which ran for two series, a total of 13 episodes in the late 1990s? <laughs> well, uh, before I start, can I just say that if it sounds like I farted, it's just the chair I'm sat on. Just that? before we started recording, I was like, did you just, just let one go? He's like, no, it's the chair. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, I don't remember much about it. Or I know the basic premise of two kids who find this mysterious, like, spacecraft or something in in the forest or something, and they go in it, and um, it just does everything. And I remember just having this amazing fantasy of being like, ah. Oh, you go in and then you can ask it any question and it would answer it and it would take you anywhere and it would do anything. And I remember being like a kid going, I bet you could go in and sort of ask it if I, which girls from school fancy me? That was what, I, those are the questions I needed answering. Not, not like the meaning of life or anything like that. It was like, yeah. if, if I, if I asked out any girl in school, which ones will guaranteed say yes. So I don't look like an absolute plonker. Um, uh there was that and then i i remember having a, a pencil sharpener which looked just like the spacecraft aquila ah. so that was that was exciting um <laughs> i like, I like as, yeah. as as we'll get on to aquila had many different powers and, and capabilities it, it, <laughs> you know it could fly it could turn invisible but all you really wanted it for was you just wanted google <laughs> just like Google, because this is before Google. This is before like um, this is before like we had the internet as we know it now. And so, um, but but it wasn't just it would tell me answers to things. It was it would I think I might be wrong, but I seem to remember it, it sort of just knew stuff that there was no way it could know. Like mm. if I which girls at school fancy me, which would probably none at the time. But um, there were things like that. But yeah, I just remember it just being a really great um, kids sci-fi series. Years later. My sister went to um, RADA, and I think one of the actors was also in her year, so she knew one of the boys from it years later. Wow. I can't remember his name, so if you tell me his name later, I'll know which one it is. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to you uh, teaching me and um, uh, for me relearning <laughs> the history of, uh, of Aquila. Well, yeah, so I, I, I loved Aquila. I loved this series. It was a, a children's adventure series with a strong sci-fi element. So it was always going to be right up my street. And on original transmission, I was 11. Um, so not only was I absolutely the target audience, but also roughly the same age as the two lead characters, who I think were maybe slightly younger than the two actors who were about mm -hmm. uh, 13 and 14 at the time. And so I think that would have been much the same for you. Um but also, 25-ish minute episodes, each one ending on a cliffhanger. Aquila did share some similarities, in format at least, to the classic series of Doctor Who. So for me, mm. it was also it was also scratching that itch. Um, in fact, I remember it so fondly and so clearly, and it made such an impact on me that I can't quite believe that it aired across a period of just 12 months. Um, Is that it? So its entire run fell within the space of a year. So it started right. on the 2nd of December, 1997, and it uh, wrapped up. The final episode aired on the 17th of December, 1998. Wow. In, in that 
small space of time alone, it was able to bite into our history <laughs> so, so considerably. So let's let's strap in and uh, take flight to the tune of the Aquila theme by David Chilton and Nicholas Russell Pavier. It sounded. It sounded like I might be wrong, but it sounded like just after the bit of Latin, which now makes more sense. What you were doing earlier, it sounded like he was going Aquila. I don't know if it actually was or not. But, I, I think he was saying "Let's go," but I, I like the idea of what he was just going Aquila. Um, but did you know, Tom, that Aquila is Latin for eagle? And uh, uh, the ominous Latin chanting that you heard in the theme's opening, Licat voles is super turgomic aquila volat, uh, translates to, a man can fly where he will if he rides on the back of an eagle. There you go. It also sounds like the beginning of the song Hooked on a Feeling, made famous by Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> it does. Um, although I always thought it sounded as well like they were shouting out another 90s kids' favourite, Super Ted. Because um, it always sounded to me like, Licat volesis Super Ted Aquila Volat. It was the, the crossover that no one saw coming. Oh, we should do Super Ted one day as well. That'd be a good episode. Now we've sown that seed. Um, so Aquila tells a story of, of two boys, as we've touched on, Tom Baxter and Jeff Reynolds. Now, nothing wrong with the name Jeff. <laughs> and it and it does form it does form yeah, a quarter of my own name after yeah. all, but I don't think you get many twelve year olds called Jeff these days. Do you? Very much, very much a um, man's name, Jeff. I don't remember there being a Jeff at school at all. So yeah, or or Jeff, like it's not it's not a small child's name. Um, <laughs> but in the in the first episode of Aquila, titled "The Eagle Has Landed," uh, Tom and Jeff are on holiday with their mothers, digging for treasure on a local moor. Uh, Jeff falls down a hole, and when Tom follows him down, they discover a cavern containing the skeleton of a Roman centurion and an alien craft called Aquila. Uh, so each episode ended on a on a cliffhanger that would lead into the next. And for a children's series, it actually had quite a sophisticated arc, story arc that ran through um, all 13 episodes with Tom and Jeff gradually learning more about Aquila and its origins. It's a life raft from a larger ship built by the Eurillians from the planet Deneb, in case you were wondering, um, <laughs> as well as how to operate the ship and uncovering its various capabilities, which included uh, the power to tell you if girls fancy you or not. No, actually, no, sorry, sorry, that's that's not there. Um, I bet it would have worked if they tried it. I'm so, that's, sorry, boys at like 11, 12 years old would have done that instantly. That's just what they would have done. Oh, I always, I always had, weirdly, I had the same, but I was like, what? What if, like, I could just sort of have a superpower that there was like yeah. a red or or a green or an orange light, and it would just be like red light, mate. No way, <laughs> just just leave it. Green light, she's like, I, you know, if you ask her out, she, yeah. And and yeah. orange is like, mm, got 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 a bit of work to do, just like a traffic light system. Anyway, yeah, you, you got to brush up on your like uh, weight weightlifting to uh, to get to the from orange to green. Uh, I love that. That's even now they were like, "What do women like?" Yeah, weight, weight, weight lifting. <laughs> <laughs> Buff guys. Uh, 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 anyway, the, the um, I don't, I don't think the guys that would need to ask the question would be watching Aquila. <laughs> what do I need? You know to what do? I mean? What do I need to do to get girls? Stop watching Aquila. Uh, um, so anyway the powers that Aquila actually had um, included the ability to shoot lasers a grappling beam a funky looking heads up holographic display uh, verbal remote control a lie detector so couldn't tell you if girls fancied you or not but it did have a a lie detector Uh, a kind of black box recorder which records history as holograms Uh, it can respond to certain signals so um 
in some episodes they used an inaudible dog whistle. You know, there's kind of like high frequency dog whistles um, and they could use that to summon Aquila. And uh, it was also contactable by email because after all, <laughs> it, it, it was 1997. Yeah, but uh, if this thing I'm, ass- I'm assuming has existed, well. It was, it, it was, it, it's centuries old, this ship, but it is also yeah. alien. Who's to say that extraterrestrials did not discover email long before? Could you... We- could you access um, your Instagram account and TikTok on there? Or well, those didn't exist at the time, but I think now if they did a modern reboot, it would have yeah. it would have all the apps. I'd imagine. So this machine, this machine could look far enough to like ninety seven when emails existed, but they didn't bother going another twenty years or so to find out what else is. Well, no, on. but no, but this is it. Like Tom and Jeff probably didn't know that they could access like ET Instagram because because it didn't exi- <laughs> you know it didn't exist on Earth yet. They they didn't I know. See. Right, so it was probably was there. It probably was the ability yeah. to do Instagram or TikTok, yeah. but they obviously they don't know it existed, so they didn't even yeah. ask the question. I love I I'm glad that your fantasy never came true and you never discovered Aquila because you would <laughs> I feel like you would not have made the most of its of its potential when it's this incredible you know spacecraft and you'd be like, Okay, can it tell me what girls fancy me and also does it have TikTok? <laughs> you'd be like, can I use it to create some dank memes? That's that's what I'm really interested in. With the um, history hologram thing, was that only the history uh, that it's that we, the machine was in front of at the time, or could it access yeah. any history anywhere ever, time and space? No, it it, it, it was only ever the history. I, I believe it was only ever the history that was occurring right in front of Aquila at that at that moment. <laughs> right. So if it was stuck somewhere and there was nothing in front of it for a long time, yeah. it's kind of pointless. Well, yeah, it was it was yeah. stuck in a cavern for a long time. So you probably don't want to watch like <laughs> the last couple of hundred years because it'd be really dull. It would just be it would just be the shot of that Roman centurion's corpse rotting slowly. <laughs> just just bird, birds flying past it. <laughs> Pecking out his eyeballs. Uh, it would just be that for uh, like hundred years. <laughs> oh really harrowing. Um The ship had other capabilities. Um, In in one episode, it gave Tom a super-powered lizard arm because, sure, why not? Why not? Um, Most famously, though, as we've as we touched upon, Aquila could turn invisible um, with actual, you know, pretty decent effects for the time, which I I would say still hold up pretty reasonably well now. And of course, better than better than die another day. uh, I mean. Those 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 are those invisible car effects aren't the worst thing about dying of the day. Um, so it's a weird thing to pick on. There's 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 bigger targets with that movie. Um, and and Aquila could also fly um, even into outer space without the need for the pilot to wear a spacesuit. And it would. Did you notice I said spacesuit? I don't know. I don't know what this is. What's going on? It could it could fly even into outer space. Uh, without the need for the pilot to wear a space suit, um, and it would demolish anything in its path. And whenever it did so, it was set to badass electric guitars. Shall I drive? Sure. Right, let's go. nostalgia rush obviously you couldn't see that there were just the two of them in in the spacecraft like flying around like the countryside and stuff um but did two things one i remember from watching that um the control panel just resembled wine gums because it it felt like um they uh they spent all their money on the uh, invisible effects so the actually the the interior of the spacecraft was very like doctor who circa 1972 and the other thing is, did those helm? Did was that their helmets, or did they just happen to be two helmets in in the vehicle? I'm 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 assuming that the helmets came with with Aquila. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe I need to go back and and, and check that fact. Check that. Yeah. Maybe they're just being responsible, and they just thought, you know, we'll bring our bring our bike helmets. But um, again, I feel like you're not making making the most of of what Aquila <laughs> has to offer. Your your thoughts so far are: Can it tell me if girls fancy me? Um, does it have TikTok? And now. Can I eat the buttons? That's, that's <laughs> immediately scoping. Probably can. Probably can. Oh, we know what you're like eating wine gums. Um, <laughs> I'm still not letting that go. So, so Aquila was filmed in Southwest England. Possibly another reason why I subconsciously took to it. Um, yeah. In in Somerset and Bristol, and uh, the first series was based on the acclaimed novel of the same name 
by British author and television writer Andrew Norris, two R's, two S's, um, which won the Whitbread Children's Novel Award in 1997. Uh, so Norris wrote the entire first series of Aquila, um, and he then co-wrote series two with his frequent collaborator, uh, Richard Fagin. Quick fact about Fagin, in the early 1970s, he shared a flat in Wimbledon, West London, with then up-and-coming singer-songwriter Krista Burr. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Nice. Space nice little red. Um, <laughs> now, when we watch the... Uh, oh, well, Christopher did the a Space Man Came Travelling. So that's, that's a nice little, uh, nice little sci-fi go. link. Was that pre or post-Aquila? Very much pre, sadly. Disappointed. Um, I was hoping yeah. that was like secretly like a stealth tribute to... Uh... <laughs> So, so when we were watching the title sequence earlier, you, you were like, "Oh, who's uh, who's Andrew Norris?" I, I recognise, I recognise the name, and in fact, he is a bit of a legend in British television, but especially in children's TV. So, um, alongside uh, Fagin, Norris adapted Alan Allberg's book Woof um, into yeah. the uh, children's TV series of the same name. Woof, of course, followed the adventures of Eric, a young boy with the power to shapeshift into a dog, um, and it, it <laughs> ran for uh, nine series. <laughs> Nine series, nine nine series. Wow! <laughs> They're like, look, this boy, he can turn into a fucking dog. The story potential here is limitless. Think of the scrapes. Think of the mischief he oh. could get up to. Um, oh, fucking Brum seemed to run for about thirty series. So you know, anything's possible. So it ran for nine series between 1989 and 1997. Um, and, and, and as I touched on, according to Wikipedia, the show generally featured weekly escapades to do with the dog power. It's like, well, what else would it be about? It's about a boy who could turn into a dog. If the episodes were like, it generally <laughs> featured stories about his, his, the boy's ability to turn into a dog. Like, what were the other episodes about? That's kind of the, like the thrust of the format, you would feel like. Anyway. I feel like um, with kids' TV back in the 90s, the simpler the, the idea, the longer it went on for. Because look, Aquila, very complicated, only ran for two series. Bodger and Badger, all it is is a, it's a guy with a, a, with a, a mate badger who likes mashed potato, and that's the storyline. And it went on yeah. for about 12 series. Chuckle Vision. Chuckle Vision, there's no plot, and it went on for about 30 years. I like with, I like with Bodger and Badger, they were like, look... The head of CBBC is like, look, we're looking for simple ideas. It's like, there's a bloke <laughs> called Bodger and he's mate with a badger. And then they're like, that's a little too simple. Badger also loves mashed potato. Perfect. That is the per- that is exactly the level of sophistication we are looking for. <laughs> Just like that little tweak gives it gives it a little bit of color and personality. Love it. Oh, so, so, uh, so, um, Speaking of, of, of classic children's shows, um, Andrew Norris also created Bernard's Watch. Oh, I love um, Bernard's Watch. Again, yeah. again, you see, similar to Aquila. I think Norris knows what he's doing because Bernard's Watch was another one that I think all boys secretly wish they could do and have mm. for just escapades, just getting up to tricks and just sort of pausing time and, and doing all sorts of naughty things. But, I elaborate, but, but you know. But this is it. This is it. We'll get on to the fact of how both um, both Tom and Jeff in Aquila and Bernard of Bernard's Watch, I, I would say neither of them really took full advantage of, no. of, of, of what no. they had. So, so as you mentioned there, Bernard's Watch is, of course, about a young boy called Bernard. Again, young... I, I feel like Bernard's dying out, isn't it? <laughs> like, like, I cannot imagine there are many eight-year-old Bernards in 2021. But... Back in the, back in the day, like the eighties and nineties, it was all the craze. Like you had Bernard's yeah. watch, but not now Bernard. He was a kid. Um, so if you think about it, there's now probably like a, a rash of thirty to forty something men called Bernard. Um, anyway, Bernard's watch was about a young boy called Bernard who had a magic stopwatch um, that could literally um, stop time. Um, and potentially, if not for those reasons, this is potentially another reason why you're familiar with the name Andrew Norris. Um, Norris and Fagan also co-created sitcom The British Empire starring Chris Barry. Uh, how random. What a, what a random bunch of shows. Great, great 90s, for me personally, 90s cultural milestones. But uh, yeah, wow, okay. A new series. Isn't it wonderful to be back? Everything's so new and shiny. And a new project for Gordon. I believe that every child in Europe has the right to a foundation course in trampolining before the age of 12. Leading his troops into battle. Staff room, everyone. Got a lot to organise. Fighting for public service. Hey, 
end, where do you think you'll go? The Word, according to Britas, Monday, 8.30, BBC One. I only read the bits they serialised in the paper, but I, I found the most uplifting. Well, yeah, um, so you got Aquila, Woof, Bernard's Watch, and then just the British Empire. All right. Um... <laughs> Uh, Norris and Fagan wrote every episode of uh, the British Empire's first five series and intended to wrap up the show with a finale that killed off Barry's incompetent leisure centre manager, Gordon Brittis, uh, when he was crushed to death by a falling water tank. Um, but such was the show's popularity at the time that the BBC retconned Brittis's death and revived the show what? for a yeah, and revived the show for a further two series and a Christmas special with a new writing team. They replaced the writers, a move that proved controversial with hardcore Brittis fans. <laughs> I like that. But you, I also like the British Empire. Do you remember a few years ago, Little Mix did a, a music video mm. for some sport relief song, and Chris mm. Barry's in the music video. It's not said he's um, Brit- um, Gordon Brittis in the video, but it's it's must be that character. So I like the when, idea that they brought him back for that. When when I was yeah when I was looking up the British Empire on Wikipedia, it does outright state that Chris Barry reprised <laughs> the role of Gordon Brittis for a Little Mix video. Although you have to you have to think what is what is the crossover there. Like, I, I can't imagine I can't imagine there are many little little mixers, as they call themselves, I going, I bloody love both both Little Mix and the British Empire. Those are my two <laughs> favourite things. Right up there. Yeah. Hard to say which I which I like best, if I'm honest. Yeah, because like for, yeah, because most people watching that won't have a clue who Chris Barry is, let alone <laughs> who Gordon Brittis is. BBC BBC have um brought back other sitcoms in recent years, haven't they, for one-off nonsense, like that mm-hmm. Some Mothers Do Have Them thing they did a couple of years ago, which was dreadful. Do you remember that? Michael Crawford, when he came back? What? Was, they brought, when did they bring yeah. back Some Mothers Do Have Them? It, it was for either for comic relief or sport relief, and Crawford came back for like a one-off sketch, uh-huh. and it was him, and it was Paul McCartney or something, and then he, like, really old Michael Crawford on a bike, doing the bike thing, and then he, like, falls into a bush, and everyone was like, ha ha, that wasn't that funny? No, it fucking wasn't. That was dreadful. Um, and they did that Only Fools and Horses one with David Beckham. They bring back, yeah, the, yeah. bring back the British Empire. Might as well. That's sport relief. If you bring that back, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Did it for a little mix. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to Aquila. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so all, all 13 episodes of the series um, were directed by the late David Bell, um, who was also a producer on the series, and who, among his other credits, also directed all 26 episodes of another CBBC classic, Made Marion and Her Merry Men. Ah, uh, brilliant. Mm. And that is... Um, yeah, well, and that is uh, just the first of a few links between Aquila and Made Marion, because uh, David Chilton and Nicholas Russell Pavier, who I mentioned earlier, who uh, scored Aquila, they also did the music for Made Marion. Nice. Well, I mean, come carry on. on. Come on, we 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 had it good, didn't we? It was yeah. really they really they made they made an effort with the kids telly back then, and they actually had a budget to do so. It was really good. And now every every Shrove Tuesday, it's Pancake Day. It's Pancake Day. It's Pancake Day. Classic. But as you say, this just goes to show what a what a golden period this was for children's television because uh, Richard Langridge, who was an executive producer on Aquila, he was also, um, he also worked on the demon headmaster Uh, check out episode 68 of two geeks, two beers for more on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he worked on the early noughties CBBC sci-fi drama jeopardy. Do you know about this? No, I don't remember that. It was it was a little bit after our time, I think, but it is, it is widely hailed as one of the last great children's series of that era. Sort of like, it's a little bit out of out of its time. Like they didn't really mm. do this kind of thing. It was more more of our era. But uh, let's have a little let's have a little look at Jeopardy. Okay. The Falkirk High Gang are still out there. They think they're safe, but are they? What's going on? This has been erased. We can leave any time we like. They're getting close to the truth. Are you looking for extraterrestrials? But where will their adventure take them? Investigate the new series of Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Continues Monday at 4.35, CBBC on BBC One. There you are, that was a little little blast, Jeopardy. Great children's drama about aliens and a a deadly virus. Don't get enough of that these days. So hang on, there's two series called Jeopardy then, because it's the famous American quiz show, Jeopardy. Yeah, but I don't think anyone's in danger of confusing them. Yeah, but like, a bit silly, isn't it? Like, I know it's not shown in in the UK, but it's still a very, very 
famous TV series. I suppose they even thought that was a good idea. Anyway, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Not much crossover between those No, exactly. Exactly. About as much crossover as between the Little Mix and British Empire fan base, <laughs> I'd imagine. Um, so the crossover between Aquila and other great uh, children's series continues. So Marilyn Fox who was credited with uh, script development on Aquila and who is uh, credited by Andrew Norris as being the person chiefly responsible for bringing his book to the screen. She was an executive producer and script editor on The Demon Headmaster, again, um, and also a director. Uh, so she directed the BAFTA-winning Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe BBC miniseries that aired oh, yeah, in, uh, yeah. in 1988, very famous. And then three years later, in 1991, uh, she directed the BBC six-part TV adaptation of Five Children and It!, Oh, I love um, that as well. Yeah. Right. yeah. Marilyn Fox, very, very talented. So in terms of the cast, uh, the two leads were Tom and Jeff, as we as we um, touched on, who were played by uh, Ben Brooks and Craig Vi, respectively. Uh, Craig Vi, who is uh, my friend and my sister. Um, yeah. uh, can I, can I also just want to say, I just love that they're called Tom and Jeff because it is it's sort of nearly our names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it so I was like, I was like Jeff. That's kind of yeah. No, they basically are. Uh, I'll take that to be honest, because of the two, yeah. I'd much rather be Jeff. Um, uh, so, so Ben Brooks, who played Tom, um, he went on to appear in a couple of episodes of The Bill. Um, not not a great deal else. His last acting credit was in two thousand and one, so just a few years after Aquila. Um, that's as far as his IMDb listing goes, at least. Now, there is a children's author also called Ben Brooks, which. I don't, th- I don't think it's the same person, but if there is, there'd be a nice bit of symmetry there. Um, but, but I don't think it is the same person. But, but Ben, if you know, you're listening... Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you get in touch, please yeah, do. Yeah, if, if you're listening uh, and you are Tom off of Aquila, or if not, if the real Ben Brooks is out there somewhere, let us know, podcast at twogeeks2beers.com. I mean, if we were a proper podcast with proper effort and research, we'd actually make an effort and contact these people and get them involved in the podcast. But fuck that, yeah. we haven't got time for that. I, d- I did think about it, and then I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. No. no. Look, genuinely, I'm saying this now genuinely. I'd love to um get in contact with both both of them, and if we, maybe we could do a follow up of some description later on, because that would be really cool. Not if they listen to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I spent most of it talking about wine gums, girls they fancy, and how you pronounce Jeopardy. It wasn't even about Aquila. Um. So 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 Craig Vi, um, who played Jeff, he is still acting. Um, yeah. he he's appeared in uh, Misfits. Stan Lee's Lucky Man and uh, and Crazy Head, uh, and most notably he played uh, a corrupt policeman Ethan Scott on Hollyoaks uh, between 2010 and 2011. Uh, you can find Craig on Twitter at Craig Vi V Y E, where his bio reads that geezer what was in Hollyoaks that time and used to fly around in a red egg spaceship as a kid. So uh, <laughs> nice. He remembers his roots in, in Aquila. Also in the cast, Sally Ann Law, who played uh, Tom's mum, Mrs. Baxter. She also played Alora Dana's mother in Willow, which will mean uh, oh more, yeah 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 I mean more to you than it does to me. Um, yeah, more more my speed. Professor Hare in Aquila was played by Thomas Wheatley, who played Bond's ill-fated ally Saunders in The Living Daylights. Uh, <laughs> I'll do more than that. Double O seven. That guy's great. Um, uh, the inquisitive neighbor, Mrs. Murray. You remember her? She was always kind of like poking her head round and getting confused because their spaceship was all invisible. She was played by uh, Hilary Mason, an English character actress who played Heather the Blind Psychic in uh, in Don't Look Now. And again, she played uh, Gladys, the elderly peasant woman in Maid Marian. And so, yeah, in the first series, uh, Mrs. Murray thinks she's losing her mind uh, because she's she thinks she's hearing voices whenever Tom and Jeff are using the uh, the invisible Aquila. Uh, at the end of the first series, she learns their secret, and then she keeps it throughout series two. Though it is possible that Mrs. Murray is crazy after all, since she spends time with a Native American called Chief Running Water, who may or may not be a figment of her imagination. So they just they just <laughs> they just threw that in there. Um, so Tom and Jeff spend much of the series working to hide the secrets of Aquila uh, from adults, including their parents and teachers. Although they got into some close scrapes uh, in one episode, a teacher finds their Aquila journal. Where they note down everything they've learned about the about the ship, but he puts it down to the boys' overactive imagination. Um, and then in another episode, series two's battling Bobby, uh, Tom is challenged to a fight by a new boy at school. And when they try to use Aquila to knock out the bully so that they can hide him in a cupboard so he'll miss the fight, they accidentally knock out the entire school. Um, <laughs> but then they 
but then they wind the clocks back everyone wakes up and they totally get away with it like did did no one notice the passage of time when they got home like that's all very well setting the clocks back but like it takes you like 10 minutes to get home and suddenly like two hours are gone you're like what the fuck but yeah no um also uh one kid just totally pisses himself um, oh, right. yeah because he, he got knocked out while he was on the toilet and then he comes out soaked in piss um <laughs> here is a clip from that episode uh battling bobby now the little kid who challenges tom to a fight is amazing he is this he's this tiny kid he is he's smaller than tom and jeff but he is exhibiting some serious bde (laughs) hey you don't you run away when i'm talking to you me you walk to my fit look you nobody walks to my fit only have you Do you know what he's... He said you'd trodden his foot in the queue. Now he's very upset about it. I've got an aunt who comes from Paisley. I'll see you tomorrow. Break the back gates, you beelier. He wants to meet you tomorrow break time outside the gates. What? He wants to fight me? Are you kidding? Perhaps you're too fleeting, you big wussy. <laughs> he says maybe... Yes, you're... thank you, Jeff. I got that bit. You beelier. Does anyone know who that was? I love, I love that angry little kid. You be there! Just really, just furious. Something, something bad happened to him at a young age. The kid, he, he resembles like Dennis Taylor, <laughs> circa 1985, um, who's had a bit of Benjamin Button syndrome. He's got like a Harry Potter tie on and he's walking like Liam Gallagher. And <laughs> that's the sort of, honestly, this is the sort of thing that always um, worried me at school. Because again, being a shorter fellow uh, and, and just, you know, being a bit, a bit of a shy kid, didn't matter how old you were, you still had like kids in the lower year who were an absolute tossers and would like not start on you, but like would would say things like that. And you're like, fuck off, like, like, know your place, you're like, no, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, remember I, remember. I remember this one time when me and my mates, there's four of us, and we all happened to wear glasses. And I remember there were these, like, it's funny what you remember, isn't it? There was this one kid with his mates, and there must have been at least four years below us. And we were in sixth form. We had sixth form clothes on. I remember when I was in like year, whatever year, like year nine or whatever, I'd look at sixth form. I'm like, oh my God, sixth form kids. Mm. Uh, they're like adults. You don't look at them. Don't even look at them. Don't even talk to them. And yet we were in sixth form and they looked and like, oh, look, it's the Four Eyes crew. And I remember going, fuck, what? And then we got to sixth form. We're still being like bullied by like, like little scrotes. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, the exact same thing happened to me. I remember like I joined like big school in year three and they were like the year sixers and they were like the big kids. So you're like, oh my God, they're like, they're huge. Yeah. They're enormous. Don't mess with them. And then when I got to year six, I was like, right, now I'm the yeah. big dog. And then, but there yeah. were like these little, little year three kids who were like, yeah. oi, twat. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? And you just know, if you called like someone a twat at that age, you would have probably got beaten up if you'd done the exact same thing. Somehow, all all we had done is aged, but we were still on the bottom rung of of, of society. (laughs) I don't know how it happened. I think Uh, this is why we related to the kids from Aquila, because that's what I like about it, is that they're just two regular um, kids from school. It it resembled, and I'm sure it was the same for you, just you and your mate, like, like going on adventures and stuff. It was just a great little uh, little uh, escape. Well, this is it. So just as Tom and Jeff learnt more about Aquila and its abilities, uh, they you also saw the lead characters learn and grow across the series. They're very relatable <laughs> in that way. So as they learn about Aquila, so they learn about themselves. And <laughs> and it has to be said that Tom is a bit of a wetty in the early episodes. Uh, he's a, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a nerd. Um, he's got a he's got a rock collection and uh, and and his maps and he's even scared to fly Aquila alone. <laughs> <laughs> so funny about that phrase, fly Aquila alone. Is <laughs> a is a little clip. I've got him. Huh? I think I know how we can get Aquila home. Here, this is you, this is me, and this is Aquila. This is your mum and this is mine. And we're staying here. Why do I have to be the banana? Well, just listen, will you? Mum's going home two days early. Really? Dad phoned this morning, says he's coming back from the golf. Anyway, supposing I say I want to go home with her. Yes. That would mean Friday night, I'm home, you're still here. Right. That night, without anyone knowing, you fly out to me in Aquila. I get in, and we both fly back again. You get out, go to bed, 
Nobody knows you've been anywhere. I fly back, hide Aquila, go to bed. Nobody knows I've been anywhere. Sunday, you come home with your mother as planned. What do you think? I don't think it'll work. Yes, it will. I know it'll work. Well, which bit of it isn't going to work? Well, that first bit. The first bit's fine. All you have to do is... Oh, you're not frightened. You can't be. There's nothing to be frightened of. Flying a hundred miles in the dark and something you found in the hole in the ground. I think there is, Jeff. <sighs> Look. But supposing I break down. Supposing I get lost. Supposing I bump into something like a small hill. Or a big hill. You won't. How do you know? I've never flown the thing before. It's easy. I'll teach you. I learned in an hour. You learned how to swim in an hour, Jeff. You're that type of person. I'm the one who had lessons for two years and still wears armbands. <laughs> I look. I feel like that should almost that should almost be a catchphrase. I think there is, Jeff. <laughs> like, like when your friend's like, mate, there is there is nothing to worry about. But look, just stay, just stay for another pint. It's fine. There is nothing to worry about. I think there is, Jeff. Well, I'm going to say that to you, definitely. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> but, but, he's got a point. He's got a point, though. Like they, they barely know how to fly the thing, and he's like, "What? I've just got what? I've I've got to get on in in it on my own and fly all the way in the dark." I, I don't know what. I'm, but then Aquila must be able to do it itself, right? Surely you just press a button and Aquila just does it. It's not like he's having to steer himself, is he? No, I think I think they have to fly the ship. I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as, as all the, all those technical technological innovations but it doesn't have an autopilot um oh, okay well that is a bit risky considering you can't like drive a car until a certain age like it's fine to go on a, an aquila like a internet international spacecraft they did have helmets um they did have helmets yeah yeah so tom does grow in confidence though um across the series and uh, like all the best children series, I would say, Aquila didn't talk down to kids or shy away from big questions and difficult issues. So part of the sort of backstory of the series was that Tom's dad had left the family when Tom was young and moved to Australia uh, with his mum now dating her new boyfriend, Alan, uh, played by Ugh. played by Alan. Dale Rapley. Alan. Um so in the uh, Series 2 opener, The Birthday Surprise, Tom takes Aquila to Australia, intending to pay his father a visit, and the episode ends with this rather touching scene. Would you mind if we went back via Bangkok? What? Only the King of Thailand's got this palace there called... The Royal Palace. This isn't flags again, is it? It's just a hobby, Tom. It doesn't do anyone any harm. That's a lot more interesting than some rocks I've seen. It'd only be an extra five minutes. But if you want to wait here... You know, in case anyone turns up, I'll understand. Tom? I said if you want to wait here in case anyone turns up. No, it's okay. I've seen what I wanted. A classic example there of... Uh, doesn't translate, not translate to audio. <laughs> um, <laughs> what you couldn't see there was Tom visiting his father's house in Australia, fearing that his father had forgotten all about him. But in the final shot we see that his father keeps a photograph of Tom on the mantelpiece. So he, he, he got what he needed to out of that, out of that trip. <laughs> I like that um, it's a classic example. If, even though that was, you said that was the same year or, well, a, only a year apart, two series. And I assume that, yeah, that's series two, episode one. Mm. And yet they sound and look so much older, like from the first yeah. clip you showed me. It's, it's incredible. It's only, it's, only, it's only the next year, but I think they're like just on the point of puberty. Um, yeah. uh, in series two, episode three, an elephant surrounded by blind men, uh, Tom and Jeff also discover more about Aquila's history and the Roman centurion whose skeleton they discovered in the first episode, learning that he misused Aquila for evil purposes to uh, kill and rob his enemies, which brings me to what we, uh, what we touched on earlier. Now, I'm not suggesting that they should have unleashed mayhem, with this alien spacecraft, but it does sometimes feel in, in Aquila, much as with Bernard's watch, like our young heroes aren't exactly making the most of what they, what they've been gifted. Like nah. Bernard and Bernard's watch, he can literally stop time, but he would always do just such like mundane shit. Like, no. like he, he would, he would, he would stop time to avoid a long queue at the shops. 
but then <laughs> then leave money on, but then like leave money on the counter. Oh, fucking do gooder! Come on. There's one episode of Bernard's Watch, literally, where he's like volunteered to paint like an elderly neighbor's house, like or like the inside of her house, like her living room. And he's like, can't wait to show you the living room. And she's like, it's not green, is it? I bloody hate green. He's painting it green. And he's like, oh, no. So he pauses time, goes to like B&Q, gets some blue paint, does the whole room in blue, and then unpauses time. And she comes in and goes, my favorite, blue. That's the kind of like mundane. I'll say it again. The kind of (laughs) mundane shit that Bernard used his powers to freeze time. Yeah. You know, like rob a bank and like um, just sort of trash the school, or uh, because in in Aquila, similarly, uh, Jeff uses the ship's laser to heat his cocoa, um, <laughs> and, and and Tom is no better. He uses the laser to collect the top off of famous mountains and then adds them to his rock collection. Um, oh, my rock collection! Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! Though, uh, though, to be fair, at the end of the first series, he does start to become a little more ambitious, planning to collect rock samples from outer space as well. I've been thinking, maybe she was right. Mrs. Murray? Yeah. What she said about not worrying, that you should just jump in. I'm not letting that woman fly anywhere, Tom. I'm sorry, but- I didn't mean her, I meant me. Maybe I should be prepared to go a bit further afield. Oh, right. You've got somewhere in mind? Well, I mean, we can go anywhere, you know. See the dolphins in Mexico Bay. Track wild bears in the Rocky Mountains. I thought it might be exciting to go a bit further than that. Further? Well, like Australia, the South Pole. Oh, I've been checking the figures and the range that thing has is incredible. I mean, really incredible. So? So, I thought it might be fun to collect a few rocks. Rocks? Right. From, from there. might be kind of exciting the uh the roman centurion on the other hand he used aquila to explore the world and rack up an unprecedented collection of treasures all of which are uncovered by tom and jeff when they discover that cavern though uh the farmer who owns the land is the one who profits tom and jeff do get a pretty cool alien spacecraft but none of the proceeds from the treasures and this i found on on tv tropes um the tv tropes website it's unclear if Andrew Norris knows this, but under the Treasure Act, landowners and finers are entitled to a 50-50 share of the reward. He's effectively stifled uh, Tom and Jeff out of millions of pounds of money. Someone, someone there furious on their behalf that they were they were robbed. Um, <laughs> I thought it was written as... I don't know if Andrew Norris knows this, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't. <laughs> so, so Aquila was well-received at the time. Uh, it got uh, a BAFTA nomination and was shortlisted for RTS's uh, Best Children's Drama. But it ended, as we've said, after just two series, apparently uh, because of a shakeup at CBBC with an aim at producing shows for a younger age group. So it didn't quite fit with the demographic that they were now aiming for. The, uh, la- the last ever line in the series came as the characters discovered the source of Aquila, and the camera pans into outer space to see a massive abandoned spaceship orbiting the sun, with Jeff, de- with Jeff delivering the final line of the series, a battle cruiser. You could have some serious fun with a battle cruiser. Uh, <sighs> but it was not to be. Uh, I mean, it's not the worst then. It, like, it, it wasn't like a proper cliffhanger or anything. So, you know, I like the idea that it's, it's fine to end there, but imagine all the stuff they could have done in series three. Well, having written the uh, the book on which the first series is based, Andrew Norris did publish a second Aquila book based on the events of the second series that kind of flipped. So the first series is based on his first book, but then the second book is based on the original uh, second mm. series. Aquila 2, though, his second novel, was published in 2010, 13 years after the original. Oh. Yeah, 13 years after the original book and 12 years after series two aired. So the story was updated to reflect modern times including uh, yeah so they had like dvds mp3 players camera phones and instead of email (laughs) aquila (laughs) could now be contacted using mobile phones and could even use them to speak uh sort of to verbally communicate with tom Uh. and jeff and if it had been a few years on i'm sure they would have uh, instagram and tiktok (laughs) yeah yeah 
Uh, could there be an Aquila 3, a third Aquila novel? Uh, Norris has said he did have plans for more volumes. And on his website, he says, I would have liked to write dozens more stories about Jeff and Tom. Who knows? Perhaps one day I will. And nice. you know, he is he is still writing. Uh, and though it's been it's been 10 years since the, the book Aquila 2 came out, there was a longer gap. As I said, there was um, 13 years between the first and second novels. So let's hope that Aquila will take flight again someday. It's um, it's, it's such an obvious thing for someone like Netflix to take up and make some sort of updated <laughs> YA sort of uh, new version of Aquila. Like, it's such a great concept for a, a story. Just like two kids at high school find a spacecraft and you got because you got all the elements of, um, you know, high school teen drama because you could update it to now, but with all the kind of sci-fi fantasy elements as well. Such a great idea for a story. I, I think it probably does work better as a TV series than a film, but it's it's crying out for a revamp or a reboot of some description. This is actually one of those few occasions, as much as I'd love there to be a new one with the same actors and everything, I think it, it would actually make more sense to do, do it again from scratch. I think it'd be really cool if they did that the man the powers that be no and i i still love the original as well and you know i'm happy to say going back and revisiting it unlike some childhood favorites yeah. it, it, it does stand up you know i think we were both pretty impressed by by the effects of the invisible spaceship but also um the the storytelling and the emotional depth uh for, for sort of what it was um very funny show as well like intentionally funny as well um, and it and it is fondly remembered by those that saw it at the time, but Aquila was never released on VHS or DVD, and it isn't available to stream. And I, I think because of that, even though people who remember it remember it yeah. fondly, it still feels like a little bit like like an unsung gem. Yeah, no, there's no legacy really, is there? Unless you like loved it at the time, mm-hmm. it's not like a known. Th- if you said to most people, Aquila, they, I mean. <laughs> It's not gonna. It doesn't bode well for this episode <laughs> downloads. But do you know what I mean. If most people you talk to say Aquila, unless you were a particular, you know, our sort of age in the mid nineties, I don't think most people will have a clue what it is. But which is a shame because it deserves more respect. Mm. I mean, join us next time for another TV show or film with no legacy <laughs> that no no one knows about. Uh, no. Well, you know, I'd say I'd say it has more of a legacy than now and again. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd yeah. like to think. Uh, well, you know, fingers crossed. Maybe it'll end up on 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 BritBox. There's a lot of sort of children's favourites popping up on there at the moment. Things like mm. the Demon Headmaster. Maybe it'll find find a new audience, or at least the old audience will be able to go back and and revisit it. Um, but for now, you can still find the two Aquila novels on Amazon and other such online marketplaces. And it is on YouTube, right? It is like on. You can stream it on there. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to be all all hooky about it, you can find the whole thing on YouTube. Which you know, it's not it's not officially available to buy anywhere. So, so you have what, to. Are you, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, that is it. If you thought Tom's rock hobby was uh, nerdy, go visit twogeekstwobeers.com where you'll find an even nerdier collection. Many, many episodes about cult TV, films, and video games. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, and all other good podcast outlets. There, you can rate us, you can review us, you can do all sorts of things. Well, not really. Those are the two main things you can do, and and you really should. Thank you. I feel like um, you could go back on this episode and clip loads of bits where you've said Tom is, and like there's a bit where you said Tom is a wetty and all this kind of stuff, and just pretend it's about me. Um, yeah, and please get in touch on our social channels as well uh, at Two Geeks Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on Patreon as well. Uh, Two Geeks Cast. If you go on there, you'll be able to um, support us in any which way you can or would like to, and you'll get some special exclusive goodies, mini-sodes, outtakes, and if you spend a little bit more, you can have um, an exclusive episode of uh, your choosing, so please do help us. There's even a Two Geeks mug and a Two Geeks t-shirt now, which you can get. So, uh, yeah, actual merch, Two Geeks merch, Um, and um, one of the lower levels as well, you can have a Two Geeks beer mat, Um, so please do give us a bit of support. That'd be great. I mean, and, and I don't even have that. 
I don't, I don't have any of this merch. So if you get that, you really are in a very, very exclusive club. And and, and any money that you do choose to uh, contribute, we really appreciate it. And it all goes back to uh, funding the show, paying for things like the service we use to record. And also we've just invested in some uh, nifty new microphones. And that's all all paid for by our Patreon uh, do, donate, donators? Donate, don't... Donate. Pa- Patreon. Don- yeah, patrons. Patrons. There you go. Yeah, those guys, those great guys, they pay for it all. Great so thank you very much. Uh, you can also uh, find us on YouTube. You put Two Geeks, Two Beers into the search bar and you'll find episodes old and new in full, uh, plus clips and samplers, if that's how you prefer to listen to your podcast. And you can also, of course, email us, podcast at twogeekstwobeers.com, um, especially if you're uh, a former star of Aquila. Um, ben <laughs> will be waiting. <laughs> Uh, to play us out, it couldn't really be anything else because I couldn't find anything else. Um, but the rockin' end theme to Aquila. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening. Fantastic. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. You be there. <laughs> Think about what that what that was. Yeah, yeah, little little angry Scottish kid. Yeah. <laughs> Battle cruiser up there. You could have some serious fun with a battle cruiser. <laughs> pronounce pronounce the name of that show again. Jeopardy. Say again. Jeopardy. It always sounds like you're saying Jeopardy. I, I genuinely thought I genuinely thought it was like a play on words for something. I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'll go along with it. No, no just, it's just Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, it's a clever play on words. No, I'm just drunk. Um, <laughs> Jeopardy. 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 I'm in Jeopardy. Uh, Not Jeopardy. <laughs> This, yes, I finally got one. I finally got one. <laughs> Tom <Yes>. has won. <laughs> finally, Jeopardy. Uh, it's only you that can't pronounce words. Jeopardy. 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 Yeah. Mm, I'm not. I'm G-O- not. G O P R D. I know that's how it's spelt, but Jeopardy just sounds weird. I'm in Jeopardy. No one. No one said Jeopardy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>